0: Kind of a dark video to start, but it kind of lends into the series that we've been doing on being overwhelmed. And there's no feeling quite as overwhelming as when you can't control anything that's happening in your life. And it's difficult and it's hard and God seems to be silent as you go to him in prayer. So I want to take a look today at this question, what do you do when God says no? Because I think it's a hard question for a lot of people today. And I have to admit, I've been a Christian for a long time now, and this is probably one of the more difficult parts of my relationship with God, understanding why he says yes to some prayers and why not the other ones. Just to build on that, I mean, what do you do when you you pray for a job, when you pray for promotion and you don't get it? What about the times when you pray for a capital campaign to be successful, but it falls just a little bit short? What about all those people who pray for a spouse not to leave, but they still walk out the door? What about all those people who pray, God, send me somebody to marry, but nobody ever shows up? I mean, obviously, God doesn't force his will upon other people, and he doesn't force his will upon you. God doesn't make them do the right thing, just like God doesn't make you do the right thing. He's given this this amazing thing called free will and allows us to kind of choose to do a lot of things in this life But that's the way we pray, isn't it? God, make this person do the right thing. But he just doesn't do that. Again, he's given us this freedom to choose. And so you kind of process that a little bit. And you, okay, okay, God. What about the times that don't involve other people? And you kind of add to the list. Why do some people get miracles and other people don't? Why do sometimes people pray for sick people and they get better? And other times we pray for sick people and they just get worse. Why do some people pray for children And get them. And other people pray for children and they want them desperately, but they don't get them. Why do people who don't even pray for children get them? And the people who desperately want them just go childless. What about the people who pray for relief from pain and get it instantly? And the other people who pray for pain relief and have to live with it for the rest of their lives? See, I think these are all tough questions, I think, for a lot of people in the world today. But they're tough questions in many ways because so many people just misunderstand what prayer is all about. I've been counseling for a lot of years, and I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people and their perspective and their idea about who God is. And there's just a a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to God in relation to prayer I've met a ton of people actually think that God's kind of like a genie in Aladdin's lamp, right? You rub the prayer bowl, and God kind of pops out and says, here am I, you know, what is your request? But that's not exactly who God is. In fact, if you kind of flesh that out a little bit, that's the exact opposite of who God is. Because if you look at it that way, you kind of make God your servant. But God does not exist to fulfill every whim of our life. We actually exist, if truth be told, to serve him. Some people think that prayer is kind of like a first aid kick. Break glass only in case of emergency. I tell this story from time to time. There was a huge budget meeting and, and things weren't good and, and the pastor was kind of out of answers and the leadership, the elders, they were out of answers and the pastor said, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. And the head elder at the time says, oh no, has it come to that? Right? Like if you say all we can do now is pray, like things are hopeless, that we might as well just give up, that there's no use doing anything else because we're just finished. Some people think that prayer is kind of like a tug of war with God. Where you got to convince God. Where you give him your best sales pitch. But you just keep on talking. You keep on nagging him until eventually he gets so fed up. He just goes, okay, 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 I give. What is it that you want? Yet none of those things paint an accurate picture of who God is. And yet you look through the Bible and God says that he wants to answer your prayers. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. And it's interesting, isn't it, that God wants to answer you? Because especially when we're overwhelmed, we feel like God just isn't coming through, that God just isn't hearing. And over 20 times in the New Testament, we are told to ask. Ask, it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And honestly, sometimes it just feels like God isn't listening, that he's silent. And so what's the problem? When I read my Bible, I read things with big terms like this. Ask anything in prayer. Whatever you desire, pray for. Whatever you believe in faith, you shall have. Ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And it sounds to me, as you listen to those, it's like an unlimited credit line. So what's up? Is it just false advertising? Is God just messing with us saying, ask for anything you want, but I'm just not going to give it to you? Is he just messing with us? No. No. Because as you go to the Bible, what you find is that God promises and does answer us every single time. The problem for us, I guess, is he just doesn't always answer in the way we want him to. Ask me anything and I'll do it. God has said I will answer, God has not said I will answer all your prayer requests in the exact way that you pray them. It's not a promise that he's made, but he has promised that I will answer all of your prayers. And so as we go to the scripture, we see that God answers us actually in three ways. And the first way he answers is this. Yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. And he answers it right away. In fact, I was at a Bible study one time, a small group with a guy who was a lawyer. This was many years ago, but we were talking on prayer on one of the small group sessions that we had. And I was just telling people, like, you got to give them more stuff in prayer. I mean, we did a study in church one time. 90% of the prayers that we prayed in church, God answered them just the way we prayed. It's an extraordinary thing. And this is a lawyer, and he's kind of cynical, and he's a little slow to, to kind of wrap his head around stuff like this. And so, unbeknownst to me, he decides to keep a prayer journal for the next year. And just to show you how detailed the guy was, he wrote down every prayer he prayed, the date he prayed it, and then if it was answered, he put that date down as well. He kept this record for a whole year. Anyway, the small group continues, and we're talking about a whole bunch of different things. About a year later, maybe a little over a year, we were talking about prayer again. I was kind of seeing the same thing as I did before. And he said, Pastor, I've been waiting for this. I said, what are you talking about? Well, you kind of threw this out about a year ago. And, uh, you know, I thought nobody answers 90% clip. I said, even my prayers in my life, I couldn't believe that God could answer in that way. So he said, put you to the test. And I started doing a prayer journal. I said, really? Well, what did you find? She goes, it's actually 91% that he answers yes right away. Right? And then he's like, but it's even more weird than that. Even the 9% that's less, I can see him working in most of those areas. And while the answer hasn't come yet, I can see him doing things. He goes, this has changed my life, actually, as I've been doing this, because I never believed that God was this intimately involved in my life. I never really grasped hold of the fact that he answered prayers like he does. He goes, the difference now is I bring everything to him in prayer because he's a God who I know hears me because he answers again and again and again. I love it when God says yes. Sometimes God says, though, not yet. (laughs) That's not as fun for us, actually. He says, I'm going to give it to you, but I want you to wait for a little period of time. The only problem for us is we don't actually ever know how long that period of time is going to be, and it feels like an eternity. I prayed that God would give me a Christian believing wife right, right out of college, and I was so excited to meet her, and I went all the way through my 20s not meeting her. It took an eternity. I was at a small church in Texas where there was three singles in the whole church. Two of them were guys. One of them had a boyfriend. So I I was out of luck. And yet I kept praying that prayer. God, you got to come through eventually. And eventually, God set me up on a blind date with my wife. Praise be to God for that. Right? But it felt like an eternity waiting for her. But a delay is not God's denial. And no and not yet are very different things. And so sometimes in life, God says, absolutely, I want to give this to you. You're my kid. I love you so much. I want to bless you. But but it just needs to wait for a while. In this case, she wasn't ready for you yet. In <laughs> fact, I'm surprised that anybody was ready for this, right, but the reality is she wasn't ready, and yet when the time came, he introduced us. But then there's those times, and it's not a lot of times, but there's those times where God just says, no, I'm not gonna give you this request. And I think by far this is one of the most difficult ones for us to possibly endure as we walk in our relationship with God. And yet the Bible is also full of examples of God saying no. Moses prayed, God, I want to go into the promised land. And he begged God again and again and again and again. <laughs> he asked so much that God says, stop asking, okay? I already told you. The answer is no. You can't go in. Abraham prayed that his son Ishmael would receive blessing of the nations. And God said, no. I know you love him, but it's for Isaac. Isaac. David had an affair with Bathsheba if you remember and they had a child and that child was born a boy and because of that sin God allowed the child to get sick and he was going to take him home David was beside himself and and prayed and and, and didn't eat and, and, and just prayed over and over God I'll do anything please just save this child's life it's not the kid's fault it's my fault please just save this child's life God said no even Jesus on the night that he was betrayed remember that he asked God to take the cup from his hand. Unless you think that was a simple pray, prayer, it talked about him sweating so much, it was like drops of blood falling. He was intense. He was fervent. He was asking God if there's any other way than for what I have to go through. The Guys aren't ready anyway, Lord. I mean, if there's any other way, please take this cup. God said no. So he started listening, and if God says no to Moses and Abraham and David and even Jesus, then sometimes he's just gonna say no to us too. But the thing that confuses us, that if God is a loving God and we know that he is, and if he's an all-powerful God and we know that he is, then why does he sometimes deny our seemingly innocent or or good prayers? I mean, it's not like we're asking to to win win a bajillion dollars so we can go to Vegas and blow it all. I mean, if you're praying that, that probably shouldn't be your prayer, right? But some of the prayers we have are just good. I mean, they could fall right within his will. So sometimes God says no to those as well. And the question that we're always left with is why? And yet, as you go to Scripture, God actually gives us three powerful answers on why he says no. And again, he doesn't say no very often. But he says no for one of three very specific reasons. And one of the first reasons is just this. God says no because he has a bigger perspective. I want you to think about what that means just for a second. God can see the whole picture all at once. He can see to the future. He can see from a wider viewpoint than we can. He can see everything. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, he says this, "...he knows about everyone, everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our loving God. Nothing can be hidden from him." Did you hear what that's saying? If you meditate on it, what you realize is he sees everything. He knows what's hurting us. He knows what we're scared of. He knows what we're afraid of. He knows the things that have our obstacles or challenges that lay before us. He knows the things that we've been struggling with. He knows our worries. He knows the things that we cannot control. He knows the good things. He knows the bad things. He knows the things that makes us excited. He knows the things that drive us nuts. He's aware of every part of our life because he loves us desperately. All that to say is for us, life sometimes can be unpredictable. We can't predict the future. And we have no idea sometimes of how our choices will affect us moving forward, the consequences that we'll face. As a result, we have a lot of problems, right? But if you were like God and knew everything, wouldn't your life be a lot simpler? I mean, think about what that would mean. You would never run out of gas. Ever because you would see it. You'd go, I better get, fill up, right? Your car would never break down on the road, ever, because you'd get it fixed before you had to drive it. You'd get A's at every single test because you'd know what the questions were in advance. You'd never be late to anything because you could always predict the unforeseen things that came before you that would make you late. Life would be so much simpler. We'd have so much fewer problems if we could just see into the future. But we can't. But God can't. And so in Proverbs 2, verse 8, God says this. God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. And So sometimes God just says no to protect us. To protect us from unforeseen problems, things that we could never anticipate. But you won't know the kind of problems, right, that your choice could make in advance. And so you just kind of go as you can. But sometimes God says no just to protect us. He sees what it's going to do, this request what going to do in your life. I, I, I'll give you the example of winning the lottery. I think probably all of us have prayed at least once to win the lottery. Is that wrong? I mean, I, I mean just at least once. It's 500 million, Lord, I'd like this one to be the one, you know? And we usher up a quick prayer and God says no. It, but what if he said yes to that? All of us, I think, there's only a couple people in the last service that didn't think it was a good idea, but let's say you won. Most of us would think that's a good thing. It's a blessing, right? But what if in winning that... I could tell you with certainty, because I'm God, that all of your kids would start to love money more than God and walk away from Him during your lifetime. That they'd all forsake their eternity because of this massive money that they've got. You know, money changes people, you hear. What if I could tell you with certainty that upon your death, as you're willing out all these assets to the people that are around you, that it absolutely destroys your family? Have you ever heard of a will destroying somebody's family? Is it still worth winning that lottery now that you know that your family in this life will be shredded or or in in tatters and the next life wouldn't be with you in heaven? Is it still worth winning that lottery for the time being, for the moment? See, God can see into the future and he knows exactly the ramifications of all the stuff that we ask for. And sometimes because God loves you, he just wants to protect you from that. So sometimes he says no because he has a bigger perspective because he wants you to be safe. Sometimes God says no too because he has a better plan. Often God wants to fulfill our desires. He would because he's our father in heaven. He loves us so much. But sometimes he just has a different way or a better way than we have in mind. He has a better idea in his infinite wisdom. In Isaiah 55, he talks about this. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. My ways are higher than your ways. And he can say that because he's God. Notice, though, it says my ways. It doesn't say my way. In other words, God has more than one way of doing things. He's not limited in his options, right? He's never forced into a decision. For example, I read about a testimony this week about a young family that had been wanting a kid, and they'd been praying for years and years and years that God would allow them to have a child. And the testimony was really the, the fulfillment of that and that they adopted a baby girl and then a, a baby boy. And they had this amazing young family, and, and this was written in the testimony. If God had answered our prayer for natural kids, we wouldn't be the proud parents of these kids, the kids that God picked out from us from the very beginning of time. And you know what, I love the perspective of that too. It sees these children as every bit the gift that a natural born one is. It sees that even in the midst of things going on imperfectly, right, that God had a plan that was good for these kids and brought them together into this family. In other words, God knows what he's doing. Our problem is is that we get this preconceived notion of how things are supposed to be, right? God, do it and do it my way. And so not only do we want God to answer our deepest desires, but he wanted him to do it in the exact way that we've already concocted in our heads. Why? Because it seems like the most logical way forward. And what's crazy is when we ask these things, we never ask for the most painful way. We always ask him to do it the easiest way, the simplest way, the way that causes us the least amount of harm or headache or heartache. But that's not always the best way. Give you an example of that in scripture. It's the example of Paul, and if you know Paul and you know his story, you know he had this huge desire to preach in Rome. It was one of the burning things inside of him. He wanted to impact the Roman Empire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted everybody to come to faith. And, and you know, in his lifetime, he saw a lot of stuff that was good. But the natural thing to, for him to do was to go to Rome, right? In fact, in the book of Romans, he says, "I want to come to you guys so badly." And he prayed and he prayed. And Acts tells us that Paul eventually did go to Rome just wasn't in the way he thought. I'm sure as Paul was kind of drawing up his plans, he was thinking of taking a cruise ship to Rome, running out the Colosseum, passing out some flyers, inviting them to come to a revival, right? Maybe not just a revival, but maybe a, a miracle tent or something like that where he would show them the power of God. He would share with them the grace of God. He would share with them the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I mean, it was going to be awesome. And they would just do one show after the next show after the next, impacting that, that city for Jesus. God's plan was for Paul to go to Rome by being shipwrecked, being taken in chains and put in prison. God knew that what Paul's desire really was, it was to impact people, to reach people for Jesus. Paul thought the best way probably was to go to Rome and run out the Colosseum. God knew that the best way was to have him be put in prison, which, by the way, he was chained to the Praetorium Guard, future leaders of Rome. After they did their service, they were put in command of different areas of their empire. 24-7, he was hooked up to one of these future leaders of Rome. And Scripture tells us he shared, and he shared, and he shared about the message of Jesus. And I guess when he wasn't sharing, he was writing too. And he ended up writing huge portions of the New Testament. And not only affected Rome in his day, but affected all the world for all of history. God had a better plan. It wasn't the easiest way forward. But God had a plan to reach the world for all of history. So sometimes he says no to our way because he's got a better way. And God also says no when he has a greater purpose. In Isaiah 40, verse 10, he says the hard thing. He says, God says, my purposes will stand and I will do all that I please. I love that verse because of its darkness, Because it reminds us that God is not obligated to explain everything he does to us that he doesn't have to check it out with us, that he doesn't need our approval. In fact, there's some things that will happen to us in this life that we will never know the answer for until we get to heaven. But what Scripture does say is that everything God does in our life has a purpose, including the times where he says no to some of our prayer requests. And one of the marks of maturity, right, and one of the marks of faith is the ability to accept a no, Immature people can't accept no, right? They they don't know what to do with it. Ask little kids, right? They hate it when you say no to them. My 16-year-old daughter hates it when I say no to her, right? And yet, as we grow, we learn to accept no as a legitimate response. I'll ask you, do you give your kids everything that they want? No. Why? Because you love them. Even Jesus had to learn what it meant to submit to God's will. Again, I'll take you back to the garden Right before the cross, Jesus is praying, Father, I don't want to go to the cross. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Let me not have to go through the suffering that I'm about to go through. Father, if there's any other way. But the Father said, no. I'm not going to spare you from the cross. Because he knew that was the only way for us to be saved. God let Jesus Christ go to the cross for a greater purpose. Our salvation. Bottom line, though, is that everything that God does, he does because he loves us. In Romans 8, verse 28, it tells us that it says, and we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love God. It's working for good in our lives, not for evil. When God says no, it's not because he doesn't care, but because he cares so much. God loves you way too much to answer all of your prayer requests. I'll give you an example. Let's say when my kids were little, they said, hey, Dad, we saw this on TV. We'd love for you to go buy us a shotgun. I mean, I, we just think it would be cool. Go buy us a shotgun. Yeah, we want to say they're in preschool. My answer would be no, because they wouldn't know how to shoot it yet. They wouldn't know gun safety yet. They, they'd be too little to be able to hold it exactly right, like they'd need to be able to hold it. It wouldn't be safe for them to own it probably in, in preschool. Similarly, sometimes when we come to God and we ask for things, because God loves us, because he cares about us, because we're not ready, he says no. In the same way, God loves you so much to say yes to all of your prayer requests. He has a better plan, a bigger purpose, a bigger perspective than you could ever imagine. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 9, it says this. Paul's talking, he's talking about a a, a thing that's tormenting him, a burn aside, Scripture says. But he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, grace ultimately is the power to do the right thing. Whenever God says no to your request, he always gives you the power, the strength, the grace that you need to get through it, and we need that. Because some of you right now are going through a storm in life. In many ways, like the guy in the video, you keep asking God, and it seems like heaven is silent. You've been praying, God, remove the storm, take this storm away from me, but God comes to you and says, no, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to take you through it. I'm going to give you my power, my strength, my presence as you go through the storm so that you can make it to the other side. I'm going to give you my grace because it's sufficient. And you're going to come out a stronger person. You see, grace is the thing that reminds us that God's still there in the midst of the storm. Grace is what reminds us that we're forgiven and that we're given these new starts. In other words, nothing that we've done, no sin that we've made, can dictate our future, can tell us that or define who we are. It's what reminds us that we're loved by an amazing God who continues to walk with us and care for us even when we don't understand. But it also reminds us that in the midst of the storm, when God says no, he's still in all things, even in the midst of the horrible storm, is working things for the good and not for your harm. And so my encouragement to you guys today as you pray, as you struggle with the things that life throws at you, is that you keep on trusting God, the God who loves you, And I promise you, he'll get you to the other side. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. God, thank you for just giving us a pause to look at prayer a little bit, Lord. These are difficult conversations and they're they're hard topics, Lord, as we consider this whole idea of the times where you seem silent or the times that you say no. So help us realize, Lord, like that lawyer, that you are a God who loves us, a Father in heaven who cares for us, and that you answer. 90 plus percent of our prayers all the time. Help give us a, an awareness of how often you come through. Help us see the answers in tangible ways to help us rejoice in your care for us. Give us the strength and the patience and the endurance we need to wait out those not yet. Let us see in this in-between the preparation time where you're getting us ready or the other person ready or the thing ready so that when it's time, it's the perfect time. And then, Lord, in the times where it's a no, give us a perspective that we talked about today that you say no because you love us, because you have a perspective that we don't, because you have purposes and plans that are better, and ultimately you do it because you love us. Remind us that even in the no's that you've got us and are working for our good, remind us that even in the no's you are there and you love us. And remind us of those things today and pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.